We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You haven't heard Bill Cameron's name or voice on this radio station very much. After all, he's worked for a competing radio station or two. But I can't think of a more respected competitor or friend when it comes to covering political news in Chicago. And he is retiring after more than half a century of covering City Hall. This weekend, we sit down with Bill Cameron in the room where it happened. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. On this Labor Day weekend, we're going to talk with one of the hardest working and longest working people in the news biz here at City Hall. Bill Cameron started covering this beat in 1970 when the first Mayor Daley, Richard Jay, was in office, and he's covered many milestones since then. The first female mayor, Jane Byrne, the first black mayor, Harold Washington, and after 51 years, he retires with the city's first openly lesbian mayor in office. And don't think Bill didn't venture outside this building. Political reporters and radio also cover Congress members, U.S. senators, state lawmakers, and national political conventions. He has literally seen it all and told the listeners about it, and he ends his workaday career as the dean of the City Hall Press Corps. That means he's been on this beat longer than any other reporter, first for WMAQ and then WLS. And WMAQ was a sister station of ours, so we came that close uh, <laughs> to having him. And right now we are sitting in what is formally named the Harry Golden Press Room at City Hall, honoring another legendary newsman, one who is no longer with us. Bill Cameron, it is an honor to uh, be able to sit down with you and have you on our airwaves this weekend. My honor. And can it be true? I'm on BBM? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Finally. Finally, uh, and and welcome back to the uh, to the press room. That's a lot emptier uh, than the one you walked into in 1970, I imagine. Um, but uh, I'm I'm wondering. This is my curiosity. Does it look much different than it did in 1970? Because they don't uh, change things a lot around here a lot. I mean, look around. Stacks of yellowing newspapers, and reporters' notebooks, old equipment. One of them used to have vacuum tubes, <laughs> stacks of reports that literally sit on the shelf that we talk about over the years after nothing is done. Uh, it doesn't look much different at all. As a matter of fact, the radio room is just as it was. Wow. <laughs> 
Well, that's a tradition, and or at least that's what we like to say about things that are uh, that are have been around a while. I, I I've got to say, walking into uh, you know the early coverage of at when Richard J. Daly was the mayor uh, seems like it would have been electric. I mean, this was a guy with a uh, a way of with words and also seemed to like to spar with reporters. What was that like to cover that as like the first political thing yeah. you do in the city? Well, he used to say, uh, there's some dishonest newspapermen in this town. He was up at the lectern, the uh, podium of the press conference room, and we were all sitting down <laughs> on uh, the first row or two. There's some pretty dishonest newspapermen in this town. I could spit on some from here. <laughs> he loved to joust with the press. And so your predecessor, Bob Crawford, and I yes. often would sit on opposite ends of the first row. And when uh, Old Man Daly would, you know, duck one question, say from Bob, and look away toward the other end of the room as if to avoid answering the question, I would follow up with what Bob had asked, and we'd go back and forth and force Richard J. Daly to answer the question. Uh, it must have been lots of fun. What? What made you want to be here uh, instead of doing business reporting or crime? It's one of the three great beats in town, politics, sports, and crime. And as you and I know, crime and politics often intersect. <laughs> so we're really on two of the three uh, best beats in town. But even as a boy growing up in East St. Louis, I would read about Richard J. Daly in Chicago and I just was fascinated by him and wanted one day to cover him. Now, yeah, and you lived, you lived through so much history and covered so much of it. Let's talk about some of your most vivid memories from, from the earlier years. I mean, what, what made this job so much fun? What kind of moments? Well, I would say conflict and controversy always was occurring. Uh, except there was a couple of years that were kind of boring under Mayor Michael Balandic. But under all of the other eight mayors, nine if you count David Orr, there was always conflict and controversy, and that was the heart of making radio news interesting. Um, and I, I got to say the deaths of Richard J. Daly and Harold Washington were events that transfixed the city in a way that made for great news and great tragedy in the city. And off the beat, of course, the crash of Flight 191 mm -hmm. in 79 out near O'Hare was one of those big stories that I raced down the, the shoulder of the Kennedy to drive to and report from live. You know, driving up on that crash scene of where 273 people died Looked like a junkyard fire that had been burned out. The explosion and the destruction was so complete. Those immediately come to mind, but there are so many, Craig, so many every year. Now, I moved to Chicago in 1983, and that period of Chicago history uh, was pretty, pretty significant. Actually, my first assignment uh, at WBBM was Man on the Street, uh, after it, it it became apparent that Harold Washington had won a three-way debate with Jane Byrne and Richard M. Daley, yeah. and that he was a force to be reckoned with in that. And that ascension of Harold Washington 
seem to be like transformative for the city. I mean, well, tell me about your your feelings covering that, having been here before that. I was at that debate, and there's no doubt that the charming, affable, really articulate Harold Washington uh, jumped out in sharp relief, as he would say, compared to Rich Daly and Jane Byrne, which, who hated each other and were burning their animosities during this debate. Now, Harold had won, had run once before. I want to say it was 1977 and gotten single-digit type votes. But going into the 83 campaign, he was literally recruited by the black community. And so he said, well, if you raise the money and the registrations, both of which were in the six figures, I'll run. And then he benefited greatly from Daly and Byrne chopping up each other's vote and dividing it. And he ran up the middle and won with, I want to say, 35% of the vote. Uh, but it was stunning because, you know, in 79, I thought Janie Byrne could not win. And in 83, I thought Janie Byrne could not lose <laughs> just because she was the incumbent. And I was wrong both times. Mm. Now, when Harold Washington was elected, uh, he, we had what came to be called council wars. And I think that was just one part of really uh, years that forced the city to, uh, to deal with openly with issues of race and neighborhoods and all of that. Uh, what, I mean, was that, do you feel that that was an era that changed Chicago? Well, I would say this. There is a myth about the Council of Wars that it was all about race. Race was the propellant that Harold and Eddie Verdoliak of the Verdoliak 29, that's what they used uh, tactically to fight with each other. But, Craig, to me, it was really about control of the money, as so many fights are. And uh, initially, Verdoliak was able to block even the cabinet appointees of Harold Washington. But in the end, after the special elections of 86, which, by the way, elected uh, Louis Gutierrez as an alderman, uh, the 29 were finally, uh, you know, put down as an effective block on Harold. And uh, it was after that that Harold won the day. But it was about the money, even if race got most of the headlines. Mm. And, and so, so much <laughs> is about the money around, around here. And we'll, we'll talk about some of that. But I want to also uh, address the, uh, the fact that you have watched history being made in national politics, too, and been covering that. Uh, in Chicago gave Capitol Hill its first uh, female African-American senator. And, of course, Barack Obama from Chicago uh, became president. And that's, those are other things where you got to be in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, you and I were looking at each other during the ascent of Barack Obama, you know, <clears throat> first as a state senator, and then getting beat by Bobby Rush for a mm -hmm. Democratic nomination for the Congress, and then uh, getting elected U.S. Senator, I think, uh, and then President, of course, I think you and I saw that he was the rock star who combined all of the necessary elements to be elected president. He was the rising star, and you and I were, you know, greatly blessed to cover all of that because it was so historic. 
Now, once you got into the White House, we were small potatoes, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they kind of ignored us when we wanted to keep doing interviews. Yeah, I, I thought of changing my name to Wolf Blitzer, but uh, <laughs> that was... <laughs> but uh, that's just the way a, a professional um, media organization PR is handled. But we were blessed to cover him during the ascent, and, yeah. you know, we saw it early, didn't we? Yeah, it, indeed. It, it was... It was fun watching the rest of the country see what we saw, and sometimes people don't. Sometimes, you know, the people we cover are just viewed differently around the country. But this was something, yes, we did yeah. see. Um, I do want to, before I go on to the issues of pure politics, uh, I should point out that uh, in covering two Mayor Dailies, uh, you also... Uh, first off, I should tell you, there is nobody who has a, a more complete and better archive of sound of politicians than Bill Cameron. And I'll, I'll, I, I want to know what you're going to do with that sound, uh, uh, which, which university is going to claim it. Uh, but you also made two uh, recordings that, uh, of that, uh, one for each daily. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I put together projects for my Sunday show of the first Mayor Daily and the second Mayor Daily and Harold Washington mm. and Rod Blagojevich. And I did one... Oh, I uh, didn't know about the Rod, yeah, Rod one. Uh -huh. uh, just can't never forget what Rod said at the top of that project. You know, there's one thing I've learned in all of this. I talk too much. <laughs> 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 and then I did one uh, more recently before retiring on Danny Rostenkowski on the occasion of his death in August. But these are collections of audio, like 50 cuts each, which, you know, I'm the guy who saved that tape. And so I kind of felt responsible in addition to wanting to put together a nice project of saving that tape and making it available to old timers who want to remember these people because they were very interesting people. They were, uh, among all the mayors, they were the ones who... Uh, you know, people would listen to, unlike so many others who weren't funny, weren't very interesting, and wouldn't make a segment on a Sunday show. I didn't do those people. But it was great fun just to assemble the tape and uh, let the succeeding generations know, who was that guy, <laughs> Richard I? And what about that fountain of bloopers, his kid, Richard II? And what was Harold about? I've heard about Harold, but I really don't know how charming he was. And Rod Blagojevich, who was his own worst enemy. And lately it occurred to me to do one on, you know, Rostankowski, because he really was another guy who went to prison, but was full of practical politics mm -hmm. as uh, he was making deals during his time in, uh, on Capitol Hill. I, I wonder if someday we'll do something like that with... Uh with with Rahm Emanuel because I I can think of many things that he's now known for saying uh, at least before Laquan McDonald some after uh, that you know, Rahm mm -hmm. is not conducive to this my kind of treatment because he's so he's such a bully and he's so I'm the smartest guy in the room and he's so um, measured. Mm. and careful and plotted in his rhetoric that he's 
He's not you know, hmm. the kind of a guy who is terribly interesting in 20 minutes of a treatment by a guy like me. Hmm. Good point. Which, But I like Rahm a lot, yeah. and he did get things done, and I think he's being bashed uh, you know, right now for all the wrong reasons. So, but he did get a lot of people pulling in the same direction to a lot of do a lot of good things uh, for the city. Indeed, uh, you are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking with Bill Cameron, the retiring dean of the City Hall Press Corps. He was heard on WLS AM radio and WMAQ 670 before that, and we're sitting in the City Hall press room. Well, I want to talk uh, first about something that you can't talk politics in Chicago without talking about, and that's corruption. Uh, there's been a lot of it accused and proven here at City Hall and <laughs> elsewhere. Um, what should we make of the, you know, what what should we make of the fact that it seems almost like standard operating procedure that some aldermen and many have been charged and or convicted. Uh, that's how things are done here. It's one of the couple of things that in all my years, half a century, is the stubborn problem that just won't go away. Too many politicians, particularly in this building, City Hall, um, just keep stealing, Craig, (laughs) even when they know that the feds may be listening. Literally might be listening, but they just can't, you know, push back against the temptation to cash in somehow on their office. Uh, I remember one alderman who used to be a state rep sticking his head in this door behind us in the radio room, and he said, uh, hi, fellas, this guy's name was Joe Cotlars. He said, literally said, Craig, how do you make money around here? (laughs) And we were at a loss of words for about 3.5 seconds because he was sincere and later did get caught and did go up the river. And and I wonder if some of that isn't the system of government that we have in Chicago, um, where the aldermen do have a decent measure of power within their own wards. Uh, I, I grew up in New York and you don't necessarily know your city council member and don't have to go to them for much of anything. But in Chicago, you you need to know the aldermen, and you may need to something from the aldermen, which means they have something to offer you. You know, and it was so obvious that I once asked a departing sergeant-at-arms of the city council um, what the rate, the going rate for a bribe for a driveway permit was at the time, and he told me 500 bucks. <laughs> I mean, it's so blatant because aldermen are like little mayors, 50 little mayors around town. Uh, Lori Lightfoot's trying to change that, but you can see how much pushback there is against uh, changing aldermanic prerogative, we call it. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that because if there, were, if there was a, uh, a rubber stamp city council, and there was, uh, it's not one now. And Mayor Lightfoot came in basically firing a shot, literally firing a shot right at the inauguration at the alderman saying, you know, the days of aldermanic uh, privileges, uh, uh, those are over. Um, is that realistic? Is that, and, and what does that do 
to Lori Lightfoot's ability to govern. Lightfoot's heart is in the right place, but as we can see from her battles with the city council, she's come as close as 27 votes to get what she wants when she needs the 26 or the 25 with her breaking the tie or adding the next one. And what she didn't get out of Springfield that she needed, she needs to learn politics better than, you know, trying to be the person who fires the shot, as you put it. If she And she will learn this with more experience. And as she does, um, she will be a more effective politician. Um, you know, you can't beat nobody with... You can't beat somebody with nobody, and I don't know who the challengers are in 23 yet. You can kind of see who's coming. But after getting elected, winning all 50 wards last time on a promise of reform, I still think she'll be hard to beat in 23. But, you know, there are a lot of problems mounting up that will make her vulnerable. Do you think the public, especially because her her first term has been interrupted by, uh, you know, a, a pandemic, which gets people on opposite sides, amazingly, uh, and that she really hasn't had a chance to build up any momentum. Well, you know, I think she and uh, Dr. Arwady have handled the pandemic in the city extremely responsibly, as has Pritzker, in my view, statewide. So I think that's part of her accomplishment. I think that's not a negative. You're always going to have critics. I mean, the CTU, it would be news if the teachers union ever agreed with Lightfoot about anything, right? Um, So I think actually that stewardship is a positive for her. Um, Her fight with the FOP. Again, I think, you know, the FOP president is so over the top as to be his own worst enemy. This is John Catanzara, the uh, union chief of the police. And since uh, Lightfoot got elected on a reform platform, especially for cops, I think this, again, is good stewardship. But the mounting cost of government, you know, the property tax increase, and who knows what's coming before the election, I think that's probably the big negative. The pocketbook issues still are dominant. Do you think that the moves to uh, revitalize the outlying neighborhoods and not just downtown are going to be enough to maintain the support within the African-American and Latino communities? I kind of think so. You know, she, she has followed Harold Washington's playbook, do a coalition of not just blacks, but also Northwest Side whites, lakefront liberals, that, those kind of folks. And as you do that sort of thing, I, I think you'll be okay. And But that revitalizing of the poor wards of the city is a generational thing. But as long as you're moving the football forward, I think the folks in those areas will see what you're doing and keep that momentum going. I don't see that as a problem. Um, like I say, the, the pocketbook issues will be the problem. Mm. I can't let you get out of here without talking about the other thing that you and I talk about all the time, or or did until you're leaving now, Um, and that's the tone of today's politics. And and I think we both agree 
Yeah, maybe it w it intensified with the election campaign of Donald Trump, but this has been a problem for a while. And it's, it, it, I mean, this still seems like a really big change in politics from the past, although things did get nasty in the past. No doubt about that. And I think it bears saying that we are part of the problem. I mean, now that I'm retired, I guess I can say it. Uh, conflict and controversy are our stock in trade. And when politicians see that saying ridiculous things does get people to send them money and give them votes, we have these platforms that multiply this, not just radio or TV, but anymore the social media platforms, which allow the irresponsible politicians to get their demagoguery out and their bigotry out instantly to the silos of their own supporters. I think that's part of the problem that the media have to do more of reining in. So, you know, um, I think media need to, you know, if it's not a what I call a reliable source of accurate information, mm -hmm. you shouldn't put it on your platform, right? <laughs> exactly. You should, I mean, in the old days, we had standards. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't even report a plane crash until we knew the flight number, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I, I also think that, you know, politeness, we used to call it politeness or tact, uh, seems to have gone away, too, because, you know, political correctness has become an insult. That I don't want to be politically correct when you might mean I don't want to say things that intentionally uh, insult people. But now we've gotten we, we are talking as there's a controversy right now about one alderman making uh, both sexist and homophobic remarks about a colleague and a constituent. Yeah, in the old days, I would just be ignored. In the old days, you wouldn't even report um, the womanizing of JFK, that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess it's part of the record and it is controversial. But when I saw that, you know, I wasn't surprised. And part of me thought, well, who cares? I mean, really? I mean, so what? You know, this, the so what test is something we were all taught in the early days. Um, but the other side of that, Craig, is something you and I practiced, you still, mm -hmm. me in the past. If you are just fair to the mayors, the governors, the senators, if you get their side of a story, if you don't do gotcha interviews, you will get access to the mm -hmm. mayors and the leading politicians, and you will have the opportunity, like on this show, for a mayor to tell you where she's coming from, so the listener can understand why he or she is doing those policies. I did this for 50 years. You've done it for 50 years. No, 50 years. Only, oh, I'm only up to 37. But so. your predecessor, John <laughs> yeah. Madigan, and Bob Crawford did it as yeah, well. Yes. And it's a real public service, and it helps uh, the people understand. And before I forget it, yeah, uh, I should also pay tribute to the people who set the agenda for people, particularly in broadcasting, newspapers, well, broadcasting, radio, and TV, we should pay tribute to the newspaper beat reporters. Amen. Because these are the folks 
who really spend the time digging out the hard news that are on our agenda. And so we must not forget, as you know, our signals might go, might go blank if we didn't have the stories provided by the newspapers. Yeah, and, we, and those newspapers are struggling to survive right now. I've yeah. kept my subscription up. And I should, I'm going to uh, call out that uh, the new dean of the, uh, of the City Hall Press Corps will be a newspaper reporter, the indomitable Fran Spielman. Yes. And uh, so, and who, who is a, a dear friend of ours as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, Bill, I, 30 seconds. Why are you leaving? Well, um, I'm just ready to say to myself, half a century is enough. <laughs> Listening to all those pressers, all those press conferences and speeches, you know, a little more tiring than it used to be. And on the political calendar right now, Craig, we're at a point, you know, as Labor Day comes and goes, that the 22 campaign hasn't really heated up yet. And it's a pretty good time to step back and let another generation do it the way they want to do it. Well, I am glad that you've done it the way you do it uh, for so long. And it's been a real honor working with you, Bill. And it's been an honor working with you, Craig, and oh. all the folks you know, all the way back to the whiskey-drinking Harry Goldens <laughs> yes. and Bob Davis, our morale officer, to uh, today's you know Heather Sharon and oh, yeah. Fran Spielman and so many others, uh, John Byrne and you yeah. know, Greg Pratt. Greg Pratt, uh, this, yeah. This is a generation we're leaving things well in hand. Amen. That is Bill Cam Cameron, who's covered government and politics from City Hall for 51 years. I know everyone at our station wishes you well. Uh, and uh, I, for one, insist you stay in touch. <laughs> Thanks for all the good wishes. Thank you. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link at the homepage, and you'll also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.